Well, uh, last week I began a series of messages on the theme, God at Work, making the Sunday-Monday connection. How do we live out our Christian faith in the workplace? And again, those of you who are retired will need to do a little translation in your own situation. Chances are, though, you're not just sitting around, but you are engaged in some kind of purposeful activity. And I happen to know that our senior group is a pretty active bunch. Take this job and love it. I mean, how many of you can, can say that? You love your job. You're so in love with what you do that you practically run to work. Would you describe your work as a source of blessing and delight, full of meaning and purpose? Or is your job more of a burden to be borne? Does the thought, you know, the, you know, does the weekly grind get you down and fill you with dread? Certainly, if you have a commute to Seattle, I feel sorry for you. But, uh, but is, is our job kind of a punishment to undergo, a curse to bear? Maybe you're pulling down a pretty good paycheck, but uh, you find that your job is distinctly lacking in meaning and in purpose and significance. What you do just doesn't seem to matter in the scheme of things. Perhaps you're bored and you're a bit frustrated. You'd love to say to your boss with a nod to that old country singer Johnny Paycheck, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A lot of folks are fulfilling, are feeling unfulfilled in their work, and some actually go from job to job looking for something more worthwhile and meaningful to do, but never quite succeeding. I think there's nothing worse than uh, the feeling that you're simply uh, wasting your time, that you're spinning your wheels, and when you consider that the average person works one-third of his or her life, 200,000 hours, that's a pretty tragic state of affairs. Sadly, too many of us can identify with the writer of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament who was complaining about his work life. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. Who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. Work... Um, may seem like a punishing round of meaningless activity. But this is not God's original intent, intent. Last week we said that work, in fact, is a gift from God, that God himself is a worker, and, and God gave human beings a share in his creative work, caring for his creation. God put the man in the garden to tend and to cultivate it 
It was a privilege to work in God's garden. Work was God's design, God's way of filling the lives of human beings with meaningful activity. But unfortunately, what was meant to be a source of delight and, and satisfaction fell under a curse as a result of tragic choices, human rebellion against God. And so we read in Genesis, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the third chapter, to Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from a tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are. And to dust you will return. So that rebelling against God, refusing to obey God's command, human beings turned God's garden into a jungle of thistles and thorns. Sweat and toil and struggle, frustration entered the workplace and have been there ever since. As a result of the fall, the tie between work and meaning was cut but not totally severed because work itself is still part of God's good design. And the good news is that God wants to redeem our work so that it becomes once again a garden of blessing and significance. It may be a jungle out there in the workplace, but with God we can turn our work and our workplace into a garden once again. So how can our work be more satisfying? And for some, that way, it may well mean a change of occupations. If we don't like what we're doing, we can move on to something else, although that doesn't necessarily guarantee more satisfaction, obviously. It's not unusual these days for people to change careers multiple times. And any change, of course, means mustering up courage, and stepping out in faith into new ventures. It will take a lot of prayer and the assessment of our, of our passions, our interests, our talents, and our abilities, and a willingness to retrain or to move if necessary, whatever the case may be, as the Lord leads. But short of changing occupations, however, I want to suggest that it would make a big difference in our work life if we changed our attitude. And our attitude is that which we choose to focus our attention on. Perhaps you will grow to love your work more when you deliberately, consciously, intentionally, regularly remind yourself of what there is to love about it. A vocational counselor in uh, the magazine Psychology Today writes, in 30 years of practice, I have observed only one universal truth. No one has to be coached to think more negative thoughts. <laughs> they just come naturally. But positive thoughts require focus, effort, and discipline. The task is, itself is simple enough. 
Just take out a piece of paper and write down every single thing you like about your job. Or keep a daily list of five things that were positive at work today. Making that list, says this counselor, can be attitude magic. Direct your gaze along the following positive lines and see if it helps you to develop that attitude of gratitude. But along with a change of attitude, and I believe we are in control of our attitude, along with that change of attitude, what is needed is a change of perspective. What if we made a conscious effort to see our work in a different light and understand that what we do is not just a job, a way to make a living, to bring home a paycheck, to pay rent and to eat. But what we do is actually a calling from God. Because our work, no matter how humble or how humdrum, is a call from God to serve Him in the workplace by serving others. So the question is, the key question today is, do you merely have a job? Or do you have a holy calling? It makes a world of difference how we view our work. You know, I like the old story of the, of the traveler who was walking past a giant construction project and he passed some of the workers and uh, was talking to them. And to one working with a chisel and a saw, he said, well, uh, what are you doing? Oh, he said, I, I spend my days sawing and chiseling beams. And to another worker who was mixing cement in a trough with a hoe, the traveler said, and what are you doing? I spend my days mixing cement. To another man straining at lifting a heavy load of bricks, the traveler said, what is your task? You know, I spend my days, day after day, laying bricks. And then the traveler came to a, a stoop-shouldered elderly man, and he had gnarled fingers and calloused hands, and he was clearly a common laborer. Labor. He was just, you know, sweeping and clearing away the debris. And what do you do, said the traveler. And the old man raised his head and with a proud, contagious smile replied, Sir, I am building a cathedral. Some people just have a job. Others have a calling and are able to see how their, how their work connects with the larger purposes of God. Perhaps you and I need to do some thinking about the point of connection between our daily work and our call to the service of God. How does what we do contribute to the advancement of God's kingdom, His rule of love? How does what we do serve God and neighbor? I think of an accountant in a, uh, in a great oil company. And he was bored with his work, and he, he was touchy and irritable at the office and at home. His work was really getting to him. Then on Sunday morning, as he sat in, in church, he heard the words, How does your work benefit God's people? 
And the next day, he sat down with lunch with a friend who was also working there, and suddenly they began to see how their company was helping millions of homes, helping to heat millions of homes, to power millions of cars and trucks and planes, and they began to think of the blessing they were bringing to millions of people. And suddenly, for this accountant, the the long list of figures took on a new importance. He went back to his desk with new excitement. He saw his work as contributing to the comfort and to the well-being of humanity, making the world a better place. All of a sudden, he didn't just have a job anymore, but he had a calling. It made a huge difference in his outlook and his attitude and productivity. So that what if a Boeing worker saw his or her specialized work as a higher calling to produce the world's greatest airplanes and enable the human family to more easily connect with one another and do so in safety and comfort? Bringing people together is God's work, is it not? What if a truck driver viewed his work not as simply hauling goods in order to make a buck, but is a calling to carry goods across the country that will enhance the lives of thousands? What if a janitor viewed work not simply as a sweeping the floor for an hourly wage, but rather saw his work as a ministry of beautification, making a building a more pleasant place for all who live in it, lifting the spirits of all who enter? You and I can make these points of connection between what we do and God's larger purposes. We have to think about it a little bit. This change of perspective will actually change us, giving us a whole new outlook on daily work, no matter how humble. Listen to one uh, cashier at a supermarket. Her name happens to be Maxine Dennis. I think I found this on a blog. But she makes the connection between her, her work and, her, and the greater purposes of God in this way. She says, I feel that my job consists of a lot more than ringing up orders, taking people's money, and begging their groceries. The most important part of my job is not the obvious. Rather, it's the manner in which I present myself to others that will determine whether my customers will leave the store feeling better or worse because of their brief encounter with me. For by doing my job well, I know I have a chance to do God's work too. Because of this, I try to make each of my customers feel special. While I'm serving them, they become the most important people in my life. Now, isn't that beautiful? A cashier at a supermarket? What if she viewed her work? work that way. Such a little thing, maybe just a smile or friendliness can put more more bounce in the the life of a, a customer for the rest of their day. She has a calling, not just a job. And it makes all the difference in the world. But still you may say, Well, 
That's all very well and good, but uh, how can my job possibly be considered a calling? What I do is so unimportant, so routine, so dull, mindless. It just doesn't matter in the grander scheme of things. But as I was saying last week, I think we tend to discount some kinds of worth, thinking it's not worth all that much. To that end, I, I like the story uh, told by Tony Campolo. Campolo is a, a sociologist and a very popular speaker in Christian circles. And he tells a story about his wife, Peggy, who stayed at home to raise their two children while Tony went gallivanting about the globe talking to very important people. And Peggy said that on, on the occasion she would travel with Tony and find herself in conversation with some of the most powerful and most impressive people in the world. She would sometimes feel intimidated by them, and she would question her own self-worth. And so her husband's advice, Tony's advice was, Honey, why don't you come up with something you can say when you meet people and let them know that you value what you do? So not long after, Tony heard a, a businesswoman ask Peggy in a rather condescending tone, and well, my dear, what do you do? And Peggy quickly replied, I'm nurturing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might become effective instruments for the transformation of the social order in the kind of eschatological utopia God envisioned from the beginning of time. <laughs> and what do you do? And then one would quietly reply, well, I'm just a CEO of a company. And And I, I happen to think that being a mom is the most important work in the world. But, <laughs> but certainly, no work is so lowly or so mundane that we cannot serve the kingdom of God. We dare not devalue what we do. The important thing is that we know the one who calls us, the one whom we are to serve. As Paul says in his letter to the Colossians, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that really in our daily work, God is our boss. And our goal is to please him, making him smile as it were. So that even if our work seems so small and mundane, we are to glorify God. Um, may, you may have heard of Brother Lawrence who wrote this little book, Practicing the Presence of, of God. And uh, he used to practice the presence of God in the kitchen. He was a monk. And he said, we can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. And that done... If there's anything else to call me, I prostrate myself and worship before him who has given me grace to work. Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. So that even scrubbing pots and pans can be done for God 
And if we do it for God, we should do it gladly. If we do something well, God smiles. So the question before us, do we just have a job or do we have a holy calling? I was saying last week that the church has done God's people a disservice by suggesting that pastors have a higher calling while the rest of the people have a job or an occupation. Brothers and sisters, you too are called to serve God in the arena of your daily work. You are, I wish everybody would get this, you are ordained ministers by virtue of your baptism. You are God's servants in the full sense of the word. Strive to please him wherever you are. Whatever your particular situation, strive to please him. And you will have greater appreciation for your present job. You'll find more satisfaction when you consciously connect what you do with God's larger purposes. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians where he says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What you do in your work does matter. Amen?